Amigos y amigas, the Mexican Soccer Show, Monday Night Football. Well, I guess we got that back now. Monday Night Football, well, at least we're, we're not the only ones now. There's Monday Night Football, but there's not Monday Night Football. So there's, there's a big difference there. Welcome, everybody, back to the Mexican Soccer Show. My name is Weasel from Food Mex Nation. This is an hour-long podcast dedicated to all things Mexican football, Mexican soccer. Man, I almost didn't get through with that. I feel like I've been gone for a long time. It's been uh, a few weeks. Took a took a week off, and oh, and then about uh, two weeks ago, I had some problems with my air conditioning. And since I'm in the hottest state in hottest city in all of the United States, it's uh, gotta have some AC. So I have to get that fixed. So I apologize, and uh, I want to thank Mr. Cesar Hernandez, who is on with us today. Uh, he was able to jump in and do a great, great job hosting. So, Cesar, I'll go to you right away. We'll start with our amazing question. It's all about El Clásico Nacional, and we'll say hello. Mm, How did you feel about the Clásico Nacional last night? Overwhelming? Underwhelming? Any appropriate amount of whelming? What's up, sir? Welcome. Hello, hello. Doing well here uh, over in San Diego. Uh, for me, I mean... I like the first 70, 80 minutes were all right. You know, uh, there's a narrow lead by Chivas right there. I mean, that part, it wasn't exactly boring, but it wasn't really thrilling either. But if you really want to get a sense of the classical, just watch the last 10 minutes. The Ibarra <laughs> Golazo, Ludinho stepping up for the penalty. It's just the last 10 minutes are, is the was the overwhelming part. Other than that, I guess most of the match, it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like terrible. But uh, the, the, the most of the, the start to the game wasn't exactly that thrilling. You know, it's funny because it's like I was looking back at at another tweet that I did. I get uh, notifications a while back, and it was like I, I remember putting El Clásico de Valuado, like it was just boring. And then now I, I'm kind of like, I'm like, oh, I want more, I want more. I don't think, I mean, what what would be the greatest Clásico? It's like a 4-4 four, four, or... Yeah, I mean, not, or... To say, not to say the game was terrible because obviously the ending there really compensated for the first 70, 80 minutes. When you look back and you just look at some of the talking points, yeah, it was... It was a fun game, but it was I think it, around the 80th minute, once he bought it and got that goal last one, that's when things just really ramped up. Really got that. Good, good. Yeah. Mr. Tom Marshall, question to you. Uh, overwhelming, underwhelming for the whole part, or um, any type of whelming? Yeah, I just thought it was, if it was anything, underwhelming. I don't think there was that much. You know, the quality wasn't that great for me. Um, I thought Chivas were quite defensive in their outlook. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that <clears throat> that definitely didn't help the game as a spectacle. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't a bad game. It was I don't know. I just thought I don't th- I don't think there was enough quality on display. Um, I thought Chivas passing, especially moving the ball forward, getting the balls to that front three were pretty poor, uh, especially in the first half. And America really, given the dominance, given you know the fact that player for player, this is a, America's a better team right now. If you look. The actual big chances that created like real opportunities, they, they didn't do it that much. You know, they, they they were getting in good opportunities without creating proper chances. So, uh, yeah, I mean that's that's what it is. And then obviously, you know, the the good thing is that we got a talking point, and the talking point was right at the end where you know America have got this this opportunity to to win the game to probably just about for me edged edged it. Uh, I think they would deserve to win. And then obviously Uribe who missed the penalty for Colombia in the World Cup. You know, steps up. I'm sure in his mind it was kind of redemption. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this now. Um, and on, off the back of a medic going out of the cup as well in midweek, um, he stepped up. He wasn't even the chosen penalty taker. Takes the ball, and if you're gonna do that, put it in the back of the net. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it was even a bad penalty. We'll, we'll go into the penalty, and we'll kind of discuss that. And we'll go into that. But um, a lot of people with re- with our question that we have. Well, actually, not a lot of people. What am I talking about? There's only like a few. Not a lot of people wanted to participate in our poll. Uh, question um brian our friend brian brian rmw a boring match well underwhelming pretty much a bore a boring match so i can never sleeps i was thoroughly entertained for two hours saw two great goals and exciting finish i can't complain one bit um i again like i said i was looking for uh you know probably super super defensive chivas which they were you know, kind of countering, and then America was just kind of going in there. I did have him as a tie because I thought it was going to be boring, just because where the two teams are coming from. But I, I don't know. I thought really, I, I did enjoy it. I, I enjoyed, you know, all of it. And then when Chivas scored, it was kind of like, okay, great. Now, now the game, now it's going to get even better, right? Yeah. And then 
<laughs> obviously, the way it went the last 10 minutes. And 90, oh, it's going to be 1-1. One, one. As soon as I saw that PK, which it was, you know, it was definitely PK, then I go, that, now it's really crazy. Please, please miss it because I want to win on, on our on our Quiniela. So uh, not because I wanted Chivas to, to win the game, but I was being selfish there. But as, as far as, as far as you know, uh, Clásico Nacional, let's go, I, I – I wasn't because there's been some boring ones. I remember, like I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's why I think the last ten minutes kind of compensated for the first seventy to eighty minutes. Obviously, like, yeah. if you're looking for drama, I mean, you got like, that I drama. Remember, I remember got that the first half. <laughs> there's there's even there's even like a I felt like there was a serious lack of yellows. Like the game wasn't as scrappy as I thought it would be. I thought it'd be like a little bit more tense. And then, maybe we're you, we're so used to watching Liga MX, I said that we, <laughs> you just said it. There was a lack of yellows. <laughs> We, we did, but the fun thing is, we finally saw. I think it was like the last like three to four minutes. We saw a bunch of yellows there, like right before the penalty. I think we saw like three or four there in the last maybe like two to three minutes there. So I feel like if people want to re like a good replay uh, of the classical, just watch the last ten minutes. That's all you nice need. To, it's true. Four, fifteen, right? Well, 95, 14, 15. And then, then watch a watch a replay of the assist for Bolido's goal from from Van Ranking. But great. Uh, other, than that, you, other than that, you got a good summer right there of the classical. Yeah, no, definitely. All right. Uh, well, that was our question. But we're going to lead into our uh, Clásico Nacional, which is what we're going to be talking about mostly. Um, we'll dive into a little bit of Mexicans abroad. Uh, the women's L3 players start a big, big tournament this week. And then also L3's got some games coming up. Uh, maybe uh, we'll, t- we'll touch into that. So uh, I want to welcome all of you guys that are on the chat already. Uh, talking to us, please tweet us, uh, retweet us, and uh, we'll try to get some questions answered if I see them there. But uh, yeah, it, it, you know, the, as far as let's talk, let's be a little more on the analysis side. We talked about on the fan and enjoying was it fun, overwhelming. But um, Tom, you know, we'll go to you. You said it was just kind of. I think you're looking at it the footballistic term, right? Where it wasn't. It looked like the team, both of the teams, really didn't bring anything as far as until. The, uh, but the goals were at least, you know, amazing. And then the performances, as as you know, Gudinho which just did an amazing job. But to you, as far as the football and the level of Liga MX, to you, is a little bit underwhelming still? Well, yeah, I mean, I, just, I don't think either team played well. That was the bottom line. You know, I, I thought Chivas were pretty sloppy in the passing, especially the first half. You know, they played this kind of bit strange formation where it seemed like Polito was almost like a, you know, a false winger. And it seemed like, I, I think I think that Cardoso wanted to play Brizuela and, and Pulido, kind of, kind of like a narrow front three, with um, with Godinez, because I think they wanted to get behind the fullback. America, Miguel Herrera always pushes his fullbacks high, and I think the idea was to kind of to, to, to either create space behind them or stop them bombing forward because America that's how they create a lot of chances. But it didn't really work because they went forward and Chivas couldn't get a grip on the game in midfield. Um, but you know. Chivas had two central midfielders, Fernando Beltran and um, and Alan Cervantes, who who have started twelve Liga MX games between them. And America in, in the central midfield had Mateus Uribe, who's a Colombian regular, and Guido Rodriguez, who's who's been called up before for Argentina. So it was it was like that. Chivas were always going to be up against it in this game. I think that the two young players, the young midfielders, did fairly well. But it was it was difficult to get the ball up to that front three, and I think that's why Chivas didn't create the threat that that I think Cardoso would, would have wanted them to do. Um, as for America, I mean, I, I think I think what America are missing right now is Menes. I still think they're missing that link between the midfield and the, you know, Oribe works really hard. Roger Ma, uh, Martinez also works really hard. I don't I don't like those two together. I don't I think they're maybe a little bit similar in a way. Um, and I think that that Menes is just brings a bit of magic. He brings that that final pass. Um, so so yeah, I think that that's 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 what happened. I thought America were much more comfortable in their four four two than Chivas were in the what really was a looked to me like five two three. And so yeah, you know, but, but fair play to Chivas. I mean, I think you know Cardoso when he came into this club at the start of the season, he was there were so many bad things going on. You know, Alanis left, Pizarro left, Cota left. You know, there, there was such a tense atmosphere at the club, and and then they, I think they got one point from the first four games, and then since then, for him to have got this back together, and Chivas are now within one game, you know, one win of the playoffs. I think is a, is a massive achievement, 
mm-hmm. and there's one thing you can say about Chivas in that Clásico Nacional they never stopped running they were working for the for the manager they were working for each other um, and I don't think you can you know you can't you can't kind of criticise them from, from that point of view but for me what was obvious from that game is that America is a better team yeah. America is the yeah. team that's that's potentially going to reach win the title um, and Chivas I think it's very very unlikely that they can do that but this is what Chivas does almost <laughs> they'll sneak into it on there and and hopefully have a run and I think that's what the fans are Cesar yeah I was gonna say I think I think America looked better as a unit though I think I, I do agree with Tom there is something missing there at the top you someone like Menez who, who really connects the midfield and the attack but I think they did well at their possession it's just those opportunities that they had the final third I think they just need to capitalize them a little bit better but I think Chivas I think there were there were individuals that kind of stood out to me for America it was more of a cohesive group but with Chivas I think what really kept them alive were the individuals uh Van Rankin with that one moment of magic for the assist and you do have to say when you look at the replay it was offside but wasn't called a goal to goal. I think Pereira did very well defensively. Godinho, obviously the the man of the match there for not only his save for the penalty late in the game, but just the the crucial saves he made before that. So I think when I when I look back at the game, I do think that, like Tom said, there is someone missing there in the attack for Medica, and it's clear who that is, but I do think they kind of work a little bit better as a unit. But yeah, those individuals from Chivas, the Van Rankins, the Pereiras, the Godinhos, I think those are the ones who really once again, just uh, were able to secure that draw for Chivas. Because I think given uh, Chivas did have their dangerous moments, but I'm sure if there was some sort of expected shots for the game, I'm sure America would probably have been, had a better, I guess you could say, XG right there. I don't know who was actually keeping track of XG in Liga Mekis. But it, I, I will say that, like, yeah, Chivas had their opportunities, but I do think that overall, I think America were the slightly better side. But I think that's a fair result with the one-to-one. Sissa and Tom, to you guys, what was the better goal as far as teamwork-wise? You have Chivas doing one ranking, going over two players, and then you know giving to Polito to kind of. And I actually applaud Polito what he did, and that's. But on the other side, Peralta not giving up. Looking at it is, and then obviously Golazo. Oh, actually, the funny thing goal? is, even though I just said that America worked better as a unit, and that you had individuals from Chivas stepping up. I mean, Bodwin's goal, that was just a moment of magic from an individual player there. I think Van Ranking, that was just um, obviously a moment of magic from him too, but it was that connection right there with Polito. Uh, I, I will say, just because of that run and that assist, I, I think of the Van Rankin's goal was a little. Uh, what, Van Rankin's goal, his assist for Polito's goal was a little bit more impressive than the individual effort there for Bodwin. It was a Peralta almost kind of using that the workhorse in the corner, right? Almost saving it in and even passing it over. That's where that came from. That's yeah. yeah. the reason I was asking it that. And I thought it was. It was just. It, it looked like it was both, especially were great goals. Yeah, I mean that's what Peralta does that most people don't see. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's always working. He's, you know, and um, you know he basically created that goal. But again, you bring someone like um, Ibaguen off of off the bench, and for me, again, it shows that America is a stronger unit. I mean, America had Edson Alvarez out, Nago Line is out, um, and Menez is obviously a long term injury, but you know. Chivas, you know, Obilin Pineda, Chofis Lopez. So both teams have players out, but I just I just feel America is just so much stronger right now. I mean, Chivas, through their own fault. I mean, it's the club's fault. They've sold the best players. Um and and I think I think we kind of saw that on on the field, although obviously not in the um not in the final result. But yeah, I mean I think when you when you can bring those kind of players off the bench when you're behind, then it, it obviously helps. But um yeah, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, Godinho it was a bit like what Cesar said. I think forget the penalty. I mean, you know, a goalkeeper can can make a big save in a you know even a bad goalkeeper can make a big a good save um, in a, in on, from a penalty. I think what what I was really impressed about Godinho with is that you know he comes over from Europe. He's not played many like you know first division games in his in his whole career. He's twenty two, and, and for me. There's question marks like why has he come back? You know what I mean? Why has he come back to Mexico? What's the what's the point? Once you've made that move over there, then establish yourself, you know, make a mark. And then when he comes back, it's it kind of like, okay, if the coach is over there, they've not seen something, they don't like something, is it his attitude, is it his technique? You know, what what is it is is it, is it his um you know his personality? And and then when I saw him yesterday in the Azteca, it's like technically he looks like a really good goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. You know, a, Real, real goalkeeper, but also in in terms of his temperament, you know, if you can play in front of six or nine thousand in a Clásico Nacional as a twenty-two-year-old goalkeeper, 
that's that that's impressive. You know, forget the penalty save, the fact that he goes out there, he comes out for the crosses. It was you good. know, that that that's the thing that I think. Yeah, you've got you've shown big personality there, and and you, you've you've kept your team in the game. Um, so yeah, I, I was really really impressed with the Godinho, Jaya Pereira as well up there for man of the match. But Pereira, you know what you're going to get with it's Godinho for me was the question mark, and he came up absolutely massive. Um, so yeah. You know, Club America got some tough games coming up. Um, I've not got them off on the top of my head here, but, but Chivas now, I think Pumas next weekend, America go away to Tigres. Chivas actually have got a fairly easy running um, for the last, what, six games of the season. So, I don't know. I mean, the playoffs are still potentially on. And I think from a, an emotional point of view, that save from Godinho, I, I, think, I just think it's massive for Chivas. I mean, obviously it's one point in the bag, but it's also, you've not got, you've not got beaten in the Azteca. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what kind of effect that has on on Chivas. You got Tigres, then Tijuana, then Cruz Azul, Toluca, Santos for America. Which, yeah, you're right. You're going in there. Um, this kind of almost, I don't know why, but it felt like almost Talavera esque as a way when I saw Gudinho playing. Yeah, um, I, I just. I guess, I guess, uh, just to continue talking with Gudinho, I'm, I'm glad that we're all getting excited about him, but I still think that, man, I think we need to calm down a little bit with Gudinho. I feel like a lot, I've seen a lot of talk online, just like, oh, Gudinho, let's do this. Hmm. Let's, do, let, let's give him a call up. But I feel like a lot of that excitement says plenty about how desperate we are to see more young Mexican goalkeepers stand out. And, and I'm not just saying like, oh, just like saying Liga Mekis, but just on a, on a national team level. And I think it says a lot about how we, we really want to look past Corona and Talavera. Obviously, Ochoa's fine for a bit, but I don't know. I, I feel like I've seen a lot of talk of people getting really excited about Godinho be like, yeah, call up to three. It's like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we well, should th- still be a little. A little I think that's where people, I think this is where people go, okay, let's start looking for those young keepers, right? And then yeah. I still think those three, the Talaveras and Chuis, are still going to keep going for a few years because that's what happens with, with goalkeepers on Tuel three. It's unless they're really desperate and those three are gone for some reason, then you start looking at the, okay, well, yeah. well who's, who's I mean, up there? But, but, you know, b- both Guadalajara teams. Now, I think we don't, let's not forget, you know, Pepe Hernandez over there at Atlas. I mean, he's been playing week in, week out, mm-hmm. right? He's been leaking goals, but he- he's a very different kind of goalkeeper to Godinho as well. He's-, he's decent with his feet. He's, you know, he's kind of the more, what I'd call the more kind of Mexican style that you'd associate with Mexican goalkeepers. Mm-hmm. Where I'd say Godinho is actually, he's almost a bit more, I don't know, I know this is completely stereotypical, so don't, you know, Go crazy on I me, mean, but he's more of that Record. European style. You know, he comes out for crosses. He's big. He's physical frame. Uh, Cardoso said that he thought Oribe was actually put off the penalty or intimidated a bit by Gorinho. I mean, I'm, I, I don't know. If that's true. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but, you know, it's good to have that option. You know, it's good to have the option of a different kind of goalkeeper. I'm not too worried about the. I guess the little goalkeeper situation. I don't know. I feel like it was Mexico's always had. I'm worried about the the. the... <laughs> the manager who's going to pick the goalkeepers. And then that's where I'm at. I think we've always had great talent. Go back to that penalty kick. Um, that was a bad penalty kick regardless. I don't know if it was, you know, in, in, in the drama behind that, you know, Piojo afterwards saying, I mean, this is why you love to hate Piojo and the fact that he says that about his team. He wasn't the one that's supposed to take the penalty kick. Like, what does that tell you about your manager? I don't know if, if that's good or bad, but at the same time, you mentioned it, Tom, if you're going to take a penalty kick and you're not the designated, it's like, no, I know you're designated. I'm going to take it for my own personal reason. Make sure. And I got this. And then doesn't, it's not even like a, I know Gudinho saved it, but it's, it wasn't a great PK. Yeah. I, I think of those situations are kind of, they're, it's almost kind of 50, 50. If he would have made it, if it would just been slightly more to the left or slightly more to the right. I mean, it'd be interesting the kind of drastic conversation, the change of conversation that we'd be having right now. It's, I, it's, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I no, but, but it's the fact that he took it when he was not supposed to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and 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 for me, for me, says what does it say about the authority of your manager? Mm-hmm. You know, your, your manager's been training this before, and and if they're not make, if they're not, you know, if they're not following his instructions for a penalty, then are they, are they doing that when it comes to making it? You know, other decisions in the game. And why and, would he say that to everybody? Like, if that's that's me going crap, this is going to blow up on me that I don't have it, and I'm going to say that. Like that's 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 where the more of like what's going on within America and the players and, and coaches because not only did Piojo say that but let everybody know that what was happening. Kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the manager needs to have that authority, and he says someone is a penalty taker, and they take the penalty, and not they don't change it at the last minute. I mean, 
He's not been a good week for Herrera. I mean, he bumped his car into the, like the kind of the sidewalk. <laughs> oh, that is awesome, man. Got, <laughs> I hope everyone's already seen it, but if you haven't, please look it up because it's just incredible. <laughs> but he also he also kind of you know um, one of the one of the American youngsters. I think it was Vargas. No, he missed the penalty in the in the penalty shootout against um, FC Juarez um, on Tuesday. And, and America went out of the cup, and Herrera said, "Oh, you know, I shouldn't have given it to the young kids. You know, they missed it." And and I don't know. It's, you kind of you calling out your you calling out the young players, and you you kind of naming them and saying, you know, instead of backing them and saying, "I had full belief in them. I knew they could do it. It's not worked out this time. Next, you know, I don't know. It's just not been a good week for him. And I think anybody still thinking that Miguel Herrera is for the national team? I don't know. I mean, these are the little things that. It kind of should point you to another direction. Well, the good um, news is that no one's really bringing him up. Like, Amy, you know, yeah. when you hear, when you hear the rumors, you hear the Martinez, <laughs> you hear the Packers, but you don't you don't really hear. And I'm saying this is a good thing. You don't really hear much about Biojo. What, no, was he on, that, was he on that list of 24? Probably, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad that it, it seems like all sides are pointing to him not actually being a legitimate candidate. Yeah, he, he needs to. I, I'm, you know, there's some people, some especially American fans, I think that are now. Kind of saying is you know is Herrera the right manager? Should should we get rid of him at the end of the season? And I think Herrera's even said that you know if they don't win the league, then then he could leave. I mean they could they could get rid of him. Um, I don't buy into that, but what I do think is in in the big games, especially Liguilla games, I think he's been outcoached a couple of times. You, you know you know Cesar in with with Cholos. I mean when they were really on fire heading into the playoffs, then all of a sudden they come unstuck. Um, and I think Herrera, more than anything, he, you know, he needs to he needs to show a little bit more in in those kind of games. Um, because at the end of the day, if you look back to to the World Cup in 2014, he was also outcoached in that game against the Netherlands as well. Yeah, 100. Yep, percent like Those two years when he was at the top of the league table with Tijuana, obviously things uh, kind of fell apart uh, once the playoffs started. I've always been. I mean, specifically, I always kind of question uh, his tactical changes late into the game. I always kind of question um, his uh, substitutions that he makes. But yeah, I, I think that it wouldn't be surprising if they were to qualify for the playoffs and then not end up winning a title. Because once again, I think there's still question marks with Bioko, like you said, Tom, but just uh, when it comes to those big matches, it wouldn't be that much of a surprise if the America didn't end up uh, fighting for, for the mm-hmm. title this season. Yeah, I mean, the, the other one just quickly was the CONCAF Champions League, wasn't it? Where you know, he started blaming the police, the Toronto police and all this. And it's just like, yeah. you know, stop making your excuses. Just, you know, take it on the chin and I don't know. <laughs> uh, on the chat, we got some questions, um, especially for Jaime Osorio saying, does anyone else feel weird seeing Chivas play defensive counterattacking soccer? I mean, really yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was probably the smart thing to do from Cardoso. Yeah. No choice. <laughs> because, because, like I said, I think if you look at the midfield matchup, I think Chivas were going to struggle there. And I think Cardoso knew before the game. It's not like he hasn't played three at the back kind of in recent games, because he has. But um, but Chivas are a, a possession-based team. I think they're number two in the league in terms of um, amount of possession. So for them to kind of, you know, it wasn't a, I mean, it wasn't an overly defensive display, but it was very much Wait, it was safety, it was like safety first. You know, I'd, I'd call it safety first. They, they were making sure that you have the... The, the back zone up before they went forward. And, and yeah, I mean, the other, the other talking point for me is, is Polito again. I mean, I know he scored the goal, but I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't get what he is at the minute. You know what I mean? Yeah, that um, goal was 80% Van ranking, 20% Polito. And yeah. he, he celebrated like it was 80% Pulido, 20% Van <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and Chivas absolutely need him. They're going to need him. I think he scored, I think, six goals since uh, Chivas won the title. In in uh, what May two thousand seventeen, so you know it's it's not enough. It's not enough. I don't know even know what he is these days, though. You know what I mean? It seems what like trying to I'm, do. I'm, I'm not sure if it's him or if it's the managers like Almeida and Cardoso. But but he's he's he used to be a number nine. You know, in Tigres he was a number nine. You know, he scored goals. He looked like he was going to be a real goal scorer, and and now all of a sudden the goal scoring ratio has dropped off. He drops off as well. He comes back, he, you know, on, on, against America. He was kind of he was out wide as well for t- at times, and I don't know. I just I don't know where he what where he's playing. But I mean, for me, he needs to stay up front. Chivas need him to be the number nine. He, he needs to lead the you know the attacking line, and 
and and pick up some form, pick up a couple of goals, and get some confidence because I don't know. I don't. I feel like Chivas got rid of a lot of the highly paid players, obviously over the last over the the last couple of off seasons, and and Polito's still there. You know, I think Polito, Brizuela, of the really high paid players, probably Pereira as well, but. He needs to. He needs to. I mean, he'll be getting big, big money, and he needs to start kind of living up to that. You know. Another question on the. Yeah, well, more of a comment from a friend Joel. America are starting to miss Pelaez. It's more of a comment, and that's uh, and this, which is which is funny on on the success that he's having. Um, let's, uh, let's switch over. I mean, Classico Nacional was still going. Um, Chivas getting into the place. I think that's what everyone was looking for. I think it'd be good for, for them. But other, other news, what would you guys say after the Classico big news around the Liga MX? I mean, obviously you have to look at Leon getting that four nothing win over Veracruz. I mean, if you're just looking at some of the bigger <laughs> results of the week and you have to bring that up, but of course it is against, uh, what is it? A, a Veracruz side, which is the worst defensive side yeah. in the entire league uh over in Guadalajara you have to talk about Atlas too getting that 2 nothing win over at the Luca I think that, Tom, that was that was Tom, I think even like in, in our predictions you've been putting like Atlas for like like, <laughs> four, like like 10 straight weeks and it finally paid off so 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 well done right there Tom thank you very much yeah, I knew. I just knew it. You know, you're still in the last place, which is surprising. Ten times the charm. Ten times the charm for Tom right there. Tessa and I, we both we got the Classico Nacional. That was good. Pumas 2-2, Puebla, Necaxa, Santos continuing a good run. Uh, Monterrey 3 over uh, over Tijuana. Lobos, what? All of a sudden finding a little bit of success in Liga MX playing uh, Monarcas. They beat Leon last week. Um... Now into the stretch of how many teams are going to make it in the top eight is what we're going to be looking for. And that there, Cruz Azul losing to Pachuca. And looking over, I was trying to figure out red cards because I'm trying to look at it. I think it was only one so far, right, that we saw low cards. And for, and for the first week, I, I'm i sorry to say, but we didn't hear any, like, big ref stories. I mean, Clásico Nacional, was, I was like, it, was, it wasn't like it was taken over this week with uh, how bad the refs are in, in some of the weeks that we've had that, so. At least we're going in there. Still an offside goal. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. No. But it, I guess I mean, it, wasn't, it wasn't a, a I guess, news taking over it. And we're looking at that. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think, I think um, that was a big win for Pachuca. I think we, I think we need to point that out. Yeah. I think Pachuca very, very quietly. I don't know, really, nobody's really been talking about Pachuca too much. But I guess Taran has been... I don't know. He's a very, very good coach um, in terms of working on the on the training ground and, and drilling his players. And you know, he's such a well organized team. And really, that's quite similar to Cruz Azul in in the way that they play. And in the, in the you know, Cachinha is very kind of very, very much into the details. Um, and yeah, obviously, when Madueña went off after 22 minutes, I think it was always going to be a struggle for Cruz Azul. But you know, fair play for Pachuca for. Um, you know, for, for for coming, you know, for getting the victory, and and you know, Oluya from the Argentine from Leicester, he's he's looking like he's going to be the, mm-hmm. the striker. You know, he's looking he's looking like the striker. You know, Victor Guzman as well. He's he's fully back now from his injury. You know, three assists for Pachuca at the weekend. I mean, you know, he's he's looking like somebody now, Guzman, who who's on that kind of. You know, he's on the Eric Gutierrez, on the Hector Herrera, kind of the same that that same conveyor belt at Pachuca. Um, it's going to be very interesting with him though, because I think I was chatting to Pachuca's sporting president maybe a few few weeks, maybe a month ago, or dinner. And and you know, he was we were talking about the Gutierrez deal, and really they didn't want to sell Gutierrez. It was basically because Gutierrez had been there for so long, because they felt like a personal kind of obligation. That if the if the kid wanted to go, then they were going to let him go, and then it coincided with the kind of PSV raising the offer. But I mean, I think there's a feeling within Pachuca right now that the sick of selling the best player. I mean, for, for like the last three four years, almost every season they've sold the best player. You know, going back to you know, I'm not saying Jurgen Dam was the best, but Jurgen Dam, Ener Valencia, you know, Hector Herrera, then moving on to Irving Lozano. Um, 
I can't remember who else, but there's there's a lot of players that, that, that have just gone. You know, obviously Gutierrez has just gone. He was the team, he was the club captain. Um, so it's going to be interesting with Guzman. Um, I, I think he's not been long been back from injury. We've got to let's see how he let's see how he goes. Let's see how he you know Christmas time. You know, let's see what kind of season he's had. Um, but I don't think there's any ways you know he's going within a year. Put it that way. Um, really quickly on on Pachuca. I say shout out to them too because they were in 18th place. What like week four or five? So they've really turned things around thanks to someone like Guzman. You know, thanks to someone like Uyoa who's really uh, stepped up recently. And it's pretty impressive, especially when you consider. I mean, like Tom said, you know, they're getting rid of their best players. They got rid of their captain Eric Gutierrez, and they're still able to find this momentum and rhythm. So shout out to them for being able to bounce back. Obviously, when Cruz Azul gets a red, when you have someone a key like Madueña as a right back. Uh, missing from the game so early on that makes a huge impact. But I don't know, Pachuca put on a clinic in that first half of that game, and I don't know. And obviously, Cruz Azul still fine; they're in first place. But no, I think uh, I'm, I've been quite impressed with Pachuca in recent weeks. We look at a lot of the Liga Mekis teams. I, I'm, I've been very, very impressed with them in the last, uh, I would say, like, like five to six weeks. Well, you look at, in fact, when I was kind of going over the standings and I saw Pachuca in eighth place, I was like, what? <laughs> And just kind of what Tom said, it goes back to what Tom says. No one's they slowly going in, and, and their past performance. You take out the first five games out, and whatever happened there because it was kind of we were all kind of worried and we seeing what what it was. But now they're yeah. changing and seeing the place of Pachuca being in there and being a contender to take Chivas. Spot. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good for it's good for the Mexican national team that for Pachuca to do well. And I say that because. Pachuca developing these players, they're giving these young Mexican players chances, um, and you know, there's always that there's always that pressure to get the balance between doing that and being successful. Mm-hmm. And and if Pachuca are consistently not successful but giving Mexican players chances, then it kind of the the kind of the formula uh, it fails. And I think there's pressure on them then to go out and spend money, bring in different players. Um, bringing established players, um, so so it's good to see them kind of you know with the uptick. You know Santos Laguna are basically at the minute that they're, they're the they're doing it. That what what Santos are doing is is absolutely is pretty amazing to be honest. I mean I know it's not a club that you know people are talking about week in week out, but you know up there in in third position um, again the reigning champion. Yeah, you know, nobody expected him to win it last time. They're going away to Nakaxa, they're getting a 1 0 win. I mean, they're doing it. I mean, they're not making a big song and dance about it, but they're getting the job done. And you know, obviously, Julio Foch is, is was, a, was a really intelligent signing from Veracruz. But you know, you look at the younger Mexican player that they've got as well, and you think something really, really good's going on there. And I think if Pachuca can be in that mix as well, you know, Chivas potentially, you've got Caretaro as well. Caretaro got some. You know, we watch Coreto in the cup game sometimes, and he like they've got some really interesting young players as well. Um, and the other one's Atlas. I mean, you know, Atlas obviously the the, the similar model, but but suffering. So um, so yeah, but it's it's good to see those kind of teams as well making some kind of impact. So, you know, anyway. it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Go ahead, Cesar. I'll say really quickly. Credit to Atlas for giving more minutes to young Mexicans than any other Liga Mekis team. I mean, they're struggling. I mean, they're really, I mean, obviously they got that win. That's really good to see them get that win, but more than a, more than a Pachuca, more than any other side, a Santos, any other side there, Atlas is really the side that's giving a significant amount of minutes to young Mexican players out there. So it's, it's funny how people, they're kind of like the laughing stock. Liga Mekis, but at the same time, I feel like Mexican soccer fans should also be same, same like a Machuca. They should also be thanking Atlas for for giving those opportunities to young Mexican players. You mentioned something, Tom, that kind of got me thinking. You know, it's good for the Mexican national team if uh, Pachuca does well. I think it was something that was said about Chivas in the, you know, I think since I can remember, you know, if yeah. if Chivas is, is doing well, it's good for the national team. How great that we have someone like Pachuca developing those players in the university in Pachuca. So, and, and so, you've so seen which that. teams, when they have success, are we like, should Mexican fans be bothered about? Cholos, Tigres, <laughs> Leon. <laughs> as, as my Leon, it's like if Leon's winning all the time. And there was that, you know, when they were, they actually did, you know, you did have actually some Mexicans there that which, but 
but it's funny. Yeah, you, you, I can go there, Solos. Yeah, you're right, Tigres. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, really quick, we'll, we'll go into our next segment, but I wanted to give some uh, Tom, just ask him some questions, man. You know, uh, someone from the Mexican uh, from the Mexican soccer show was so close to one of the legendary players of the history of all football, La Cebollita, Dieguito. You got the chance to go and see him. Picolin. Oh, wait, never mind. No, 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 Picolin. <laughs> Tom, uh, your experience going over there in the madness, Dorados, has now two amazing players that has associated with the team with Guardiola and, and Diego Maradona. I mean, well, I mean, something's happening over there. But you got a chance to go there, witness uh, the madness that is uh, Diego Maradona. What can you tell us really quick about it and uh, just kind of your thoughts? No, I mean, honestly, it's, it's calmed down now. I mean, you know, when when he first signed, there was like 100 yeah, journalists yeah. there. And he was just absolute, absolute mayhem. Um, and if I was in Mexico, I would, I would. You just have to go. I mean, when's it, when would you get the opportunity? You yeah. know, anybody in Mexico, of course, I would be over there. Yeah, no, for sure. But I tell you what, though, it's weird in Sin- in Sinaloa in Culiacan because you know I went to the Tomateros, the baseball team. Mm-hmm. I interviewed the president over there, and you know, and everyone you speak to, it's like they're all baseball fans. Mm-hmm. You now Sinaloa. This is what I took from it. I mean, obviously, people know about Sinaloa. They know about El Chapo. They know, you know, they've got certain connotations with Sinaloa. But you go there and it's like, it's actually an absolutely fascinating place. I mean, the amount of football players that have come from that state yeah. is, is unbelievable. I mean, going back to Omar Bravo, Massa Rodriguez, I mean, you know, um, Eric Gutierrez, Hector Moreno, Jared Borghetti. I mean, they're producing player after player that state. So to go there and, and then see it's, you know, mainly baseball and, you know, the heat is absolutely unbelievable, but um, it's fascinating. And then they've got, you know, obviously they've got the narco side of it as well. So it's like, it's a difficult place to get to grips with, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I was, it was entertaining. I really enjoyed it out there. Uh, Maradona. Hector Moreno is also from. Yeah. Moreno's from. Carlos from Fierro. Yeah, hey, yeah now I can think about it. Paulo Aguilar, there's yeah. a ton. No, I mean, not just football. I mean, boxers from Sinaloa, ridiculous yeah, yeah, amount. Yeah. You know, baseball players, um, Pedro Infante was from Sinaloa. I mean, you know, a lot of kind of, well, not a lot, but quite a lot of kind of icons of Mexican culture and sport and, and music, you know, banda music's from there. And every, everywhere you go, especially in Western Mexico, is, is banda. It's banda everywhere. You know, even in Guadalajara, and that's, that's Sinaloa. Um, so anyway, so yeah, no, I mean, Diego, he's there as well. So <laughs> what can you say? But I don't know. Honestly, I think it's, you watch him train. And I think for me, there was like two emotions. And first, and when you first see him, you know, he's clearly overweight. He's got kind of arthritis in both his knees. Yeah, weird walking when you, I saw a video. Yeah, he can't, he can't walk. I was like, wow. And it's, it's basically, I think it's mainly his knees because he took so many injections in his playing career. To, just to play. So say his knees would be hurting him, but they'd just given him an injection and then he'd go and play. And, and he just didn't care. He just accepted it. And, and that, this is the result. I mean, he's got really, you know, bad arthritis. He had a kind of a, some procedures done in Colombia in June. Um, but obviously he's, he's very overweight as well. I mean, um, the League of website puts it at like, I don't know, I think it's 180 pounds or mm. you know, 85 kilos. But that's... that's <laughs> no way. He's weighed 200 or more. Yeah. That's optimistic. That's I optimistic. So, so, yeah, so, I mean, there's that kind of... And then when you hear him speak, he's kind of he's slurring a lot. He's very difficult to understand. Um, you know, so it's kind of like there's a bit of sadness because, you know, he's absolutely, you know, the, the, for the player that he was and, I don't know, just for everything that he represented. Uh, you know, for the game. I mean, for me, he's one of one of my favorite people in the game ever. I mean, not just for I don't know. He was just such a. He just. Yeah. He don't. He's just. He's just a story. He's just somebody who's come from the absolute bottom. You know, the absolute kind of ghetto, basically, of Buenos Aires, and he's still got the attitude with him even today. And you go to a press conference and he'll say something unbelievable about how you know he doesn't feel any pressure because pressure is kind of you know, a, a father or, or parents who can't put food on the table for the kids. Jesus. You know, they go to work and four in the morning and they come back and they don't have enough money. You know, really poignant things like that. But then on the other side, you'll say, yeah, uh, if anybody says that my play deserves to be sent off, I'll spit in the face. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. 
what? <laughs> like, why are you saying that? Like, just say you don't think it was a red card, you know what I mean? But you, you just, it's that fighting, absolute, you know, fighting PB. Basically, he's a PB. You know, he's the but typical. That's, that's what people love about him. I feel like came at, it's a script just, though that people really that resonates with people, and I think that's 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 what makes him such a character too. Uh, and obviously, his footballing abilities speak for themselves, and hundred percent spoke for themselves. But I, I think it's, it's that character which really makes him a larger than life kind of person. I'm just a little yeah. worried that like Piojo and Diego are going to meet one day. Oh dear! <laughs> like that's that's what worries me. <laughs> just see it and now that. No, uh, that, uh, if you haven't. Uh, read the great great article by tom on you know on what he's doing over there and just yeah when I, when I heard the news i was just kind of like what but then i was like no i guess i'm not that surprised and just seeing how long i i've just kind of seen what afterwards and how diego you know leaves or whatever and how they end and then what diego is going to be saying afterwards and that just kind of goes because you know they'll probably be on a bad note or however and then diego will just yeah. be fine but We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Everybody up there right now is talking a good game, including yeah. Maradona, including the president, his assistant. You know, everybody's saying this isn't for, to sell shirts. We're not doing this because, you know, mm-hmm. we, we want him in there because he wants an opportunity to manage. He's going to, Doral, he's going to be given a chance. Um, his assistant, Luis Islas, is a World Cup winner as well from 86. He was the Argentine goalkeeper in 94. Yeah. So, He's, he's, he's coached at Leon before. He played for Leon. He played for Toluca. He knows his Mexican football. And I think he's a key figure in kind of guiding all this. But, let, but let's not forget, I mean, they've started well because they've won two of the first three games in the league. And before that, they hadn't won a single game. So I don't know. I mean, you know, from what, just what I was saying, then the sad side, seeing him and his physical condition, you know, no doubt about it. But the, the positive side is that for someone like him, I mean, he's such a jewel of the game, you know. You, you, you want to see him working in the game and they get the feeling that when he's on the pitch when he's with the players watching it he's kind of like he's happy there you know what I mean he's in a good place he's not in that dark place that's leading to led him to do some you know pretty self-destructive destructive things in his past so I don't know honestly hopefully it works out yeah. I think it'll be I think it'll just be great it'd be great if he can you know at least stay a year and and get some positive things happening, and I don't know because he's always a story. Move, moves up, get to the Liga MX. I mean, Imagine he's that. He's got a lot of I mean, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, the sector you see, like an Atlante or Juarez, those those teams are definitely dominant. I think. Are they not in the top eight? Just yet? I think they're out of the top eight, Dorados, right? Are yeah, they... I mean, when basically now they're in the playoff race, so they're still. I think they're three points off the playoffs, but they're still in that race. Um, but before he came, it was like that. That was it, basically. I mean, but, but it's interesting. There's, there's so many interesting little kind of anecdotes. I mean, he's been eating food from this like Argentine restaurant that do the asado, um, you know, and bringing and, and the guys at the restaurant were just like, "Oh my god, we're cooking for Maradona!" Like, can you believe it? <laughs> you know, he basically turned up in in Culiacan with with two suitcases and. I don't know. He just never, he never, he never changes out of his Dorados clothes. He's not been seen there yet without his Dorados cap on. I mean, he just seems to be absolutely loving it. Um, but you know, it's it's Maradona. So there's a video too of him going to like a concert too, and like they invited. Have you seen? Yeah, that's, quite, that's false too. though. Oh, that's false. That's, what? Yeah. Fake oh, news. Yeah. That's sad. Fake Wait, news. How is, that, how is that false? Fake news and Anders. <laughs> nah, that was, that was, so that wasn't him. It was him, but it was from a while ago. And um, and I'll t- I'll tell you how you can how you can tell. Um, this is this is what the Dorados president said. He said they're wearing jackets. Everyone in the video is wearing jackets. In Culiacan, you never yeah, wear no a jacket. jacket. Nobody ever. Okay. Even in the, the the people over there are like, oh, the, we don't we only have one season, summer. So summer. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to lie to everyone. I was really hyped up about that. I got. I think some legitimate people retweeted me after I posted that. So I'm. I'm sorry to all those people. Who, like saw that. Oh, you tweeted it, says I don't know. I, I, I like copied the link and then I was just like, and I said, it looks like Maradona is having a great time in Mexico. And then like. Uh... <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but uh, no, but I mean that's one of the things with Maradona. I mean nobody knows the reality and the myth and where that ends and when it you know because um, there's a story as well that. He was going to move into this house, but all the neighbors kind of didn't want him there. Didn't want him there, and so he actually, so the, so the actual the moving vehicle, you know, the what's it called, the truck with all with the things in, was stopped at the gate, and they wouldn't let him in. But Jesus. apparently, that was absolutely just not true either. 
Um, so I don't know. I mean, he doesn't have any things anyway, so I don't know how he could move things in there. <laughs> well, we'll keep up that that story. We'll see. We'll see where it goes on that. Um, well, th- thanks for giving us a little update there. I think it's awesome, you know, and, and going in there, and especially. I mean, to be so close and to see that the type of person. All right, let's jump uh, right in. We have Mexicans abroad um, that are playing this week at Champions. Uh, Eric Gutierrez, which we've seen. And also, yeah, you got to have that. And then also, um, uh, Mr. Chukulosano, guys, do you really think you could see them playing, getting into the next level of the champions? I don't, I, I, the PSV guys, I don't think so. No. I I think, I mean, if there is going to be a chance, a lot of that is probably going to ride on a game like this one, uh, this Wednesday that PSV have against Inter Milan. Uh, obviously it's going to be easier than the match against Barcelona away. But this is still a very tough Inter Milan side. I mean, you look at some of those players in the squad, like Icardi, Nainggolan. I mean, it's, it is going to be easier for Chucky to stand on this game in comparison to the one against Barcelona. But, I mean, it's just it's going to be very, very tough. And especially against the uh, Inter Milan side that defeated Spurs 2-1. to one. I know those two goals arrived pretty late for them. But, I mean, you can't overlook this side. But at the same time, I mean, Chucky should be mo- motivated to make an impact. And I yeah. really do hope he steps up. I really do hope he... You know, takes advantage of his opportunities in the final third because he did look a little. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say uh, he was lacking confidence against Barcelona, but something was a little off. Mm. So I do hope that he really, I do hope that he really steps up uh, against Inter Milan because once again, you, you can't take any of these uh, Champions League games for granted. This is where I see, you know, Chucky and, and see what he is, especially against these types of teams where it's Italian defense and. That's where I want to see where Chu can really look to see what we can do against those types of defenders. So I'm excited. And then obviously Eric Gutierrez, what he did over the weekend and how well he started already. Um, this is a, this is a stage that we want our players to be in. So definitely, definitely very excited. On the other side, also Porto, which uh, uh, the Porto guys have not had that great, I would say, you know, at least appearances. But um, it's still good that you know they're getting that exposure. Tom, to you, to you, what do you? What at least you're looking for with those types of players? Well, Herrera, I don't, I don't think there's any any questions. We know what he is. We know, you know, I don't know. We know, we know Herrera. Um, but for me, it's again Corona. I mean, I know we mentioned it before, but this is it. No, we need to see. <laughs> eh? Yeah, this is it. Like, uh, when are we? I we're done. Like, at what point do we go? Okay, Corona is just not. <laughs> like, yeah. What's I don't know what's. What is kind of, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what's going on so that the manager um, is kind of not picking him. But I mean, I think we're getting to the stage now where it's like he needs to leave, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's, it's not the club for him. I mean, it was a bit like Raul Jimenez, who's kind of got this like kind of new new wind in his career. And you know, he's 27 years old, isn't he, Raul Jimenez? Now he's not like a young player. But he's had to leave that environment to go and go somewhere new and a fresh challenge. So, you know, um, I think we're getting to the point with Tecatito now. Before it was kind of like, can he make that jump up to a big team? And now it's more kind of, can he move to somewhere where he's going to be playing all the time and get back his confidence? At the very least, the good news is, if you believe the rumors, that Herrera is being followed by those big sides. Obviously, When is it going to happen? Yeah, I mean, if you, if, you, if, you believe, if you believe the rumors, apparently uh, Spurs, Barcelona, Inter Milan, are obviously, once again, take it with a grain of salt. Those are the rumors, but apparently they're keeping an there's eye some, on him. And- it's like strong sources, too. Like, you know, there's there's like the rumors, and then there's people that were really linking him. If, if, there, if there are a lot of teams that are keeping an eye on him and that do want him, and if he's going to be in a free next summer, then maybe one of those teams who <laughs> are a little bit more desperate uh, to bring him in to kind of uh, would be willing to, to to buy him over the winter. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but maybe there's a chance of, of that potentially happening. I feel like to kind of like the other opposition who might want to get him next summer. Mid table anywhere. I don't know. I don't see like Herrera, Barcelona, Inter Milan, and all that. Just just go play in a really good team with a good league and again good competition. Get out of the get out of the Portuguese league like that. That's that's where I would want to see Herrera. With Herrera, yeah. I mean, the other thing about the rumors with Herrera is they are rational because his contracts up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, between now and uh, January, in January, he can talk to he can talk to the clubs. So, you know, if you're Herrera, you're not you're not going to sign a new contract unless Porto offer you a lot, a lot of money. And you know, right now, all you're going to be is like, I love Porto, like he's been doing. You know, I love Porto; they're amazing. You know, 200 games I played for him, the captain, blah blah blah. Because, you know, he, he's basically saying, right, 
I'm, I'm important to you, you're important to me, make me a big offer. But then on the other side, obviously other clubs are looking at Herrera, going to be making a few noises through through back channels and stuff to, to, to show their interest. And someone like Herrera, there's no for me, there's no reason why a bigger club wouldn't wouldn't want a player like that. You know, if you get him on a three year contract, he'll probably be what he'll be 29 next summer, something like that. You get him until he's 32. Um, Herrera's naturally a fit kind of guy. You know what I mean? He's not going to be. You know, he's not. You know, he's he still runs. He's still got the legs in him. Um, and I think he could do a great job for for a, even a top team, to be honest. Um, if he goes to someone like Barcelona or, or Real Madrid, I don't think he's guaranteed that start, obviously. But I mean, I'm, I'd still love to see him step up because I, I honestly think he's got it in him. Or yeah. even something, even something like an Arsenal. Like it doesn't have to be Real Madrid. Really, have to yeah. I think I think an Arsenal would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be really really exciting to see him at that level. Maybe not even the mid table team, but I guess it all depends on where Arsenal is at right now. I'd like to see more in the, in the Liga, like in Villarreal, the Valencia type of team. No, I, I, I want to see him in the EPL. I, I would love to see him in the EPL. Be good. I don't know, sorry, I just started bursting out laughing because I was talking about Herrera, and then I saw that picture with him in the like the oh, car, man. and he's all nice. <laughs> he's so good hey, if I, if I, if I, I feel I, like that's like his card. I mean, that's his card he's giving everybody out. All right, guys, I'm ready to go. I got the look. I have the cars. I'm ready. I just the team. If, I, if I did all that work, I would 100% be like, yeah, GQ, let's do this thing. Yeah, like, oh, oh, my gosh, man. God. And then the quote, Buenos oh, Dias. Buenos Dias pinches fails. Like, I was laughing so hard when we quoted that. <laughs> I could not. And I'm sorry, I shouldn't have. But, man, I could not stop laughing at that. Just, And he's proud of it. He even makes fun of himself, too, right? Like, uh, <laughs> because he knows how it is. So, all right. I know we've gone a little off track. Guys, uh, big, big tournament for the Mexican ladies uh, that's coming up. This is the pre-World Cup tournament that they have here in CONCACAF. United States and Mexico face off in a very, 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 very tough match. We always know. Uh, we're definitely following it, and um, hopefully we can see maybe one of us, I won't say whom, that um, will try to make it to one of the games. And uh, really hoping to see in that and give you a little more more of the coverage. But here it is. We've been talking about it all year. We've seen what the ladies did, you know, in, um, in, in the games over the summer. Um, we've also have I just kind of been looking at that. And as far as women's soccer and how it's growing in, in – and uh, in Mexico with the, the league in its second year. And now comes a tournament where we're seeing, you know, the top three, which it looks like, you know, it, you know, Mexico should be. But I think it would be a major, major, major failure if they don't make it to the World Cup. And I think that's what we're looking to see. But what do you guys are expecting to see? All the players that are coming through. I mean, this is this is a stacked, if we could say, a Mexico team, which the players abroad with Liga MX players, with some that are playing in the United States, with the talent that's coming in and now – you know, um, there there isn't anyone that I can see when I'm talking to to experts that uh, has been left off. But what are you guys expecting? Um, and could this team finally give you know what a lot of fans are looking for is you know at least a kind of competitive in a world stage. I think what you expect is obviously a spot in the World Cup. I mean that group stage. I think you know obviously go against the U.S. That's gonna be tough. But Trinidad Tobago also could be tricky, but I think they should be able to beat Trinidad Tobago in Panama. And as long as they make it out of the group stage, they have a decent chance of qualifying because the top three go directly. And, and there's a, uh, half a ticket. So the fourth place team gets half the ticket. But uh, obviously, it's a, it's a huge tournament. I mean, it's <laughs> like I was telling Tom, it's like, a, it's like a gold cup, but I actually care about it because uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually there's a spot in the, the World Cup up for grabs. So... Yeah, it's going to be, like I said, once again, tough against that opener against the U.S., but you know, I think it would be a fracaso if they didn't make it to the World Cup. So I, it's, it's going to be a very, very, very important month, a hugely important uh, month for not only the ma- the national team, but also for Liga Mekis Feminine, which are well represented in this team. Yeah, it's, it's, a, t- it's a tough group. I mean, yeah. they've, not, they've not been given any, you know, it's, it's tricky. Um, you know, within that first, within that group, within Mexico's group, You've got um, you got four of the top five in terms of the rankings, you know. Um, there's only Canada who, who who aren't in there. So sorry, no, messed that up. No, sorry, what is it? Because we the top six. Yeah, okay. Also, because Canada is ranked higher than than Mexico, right? Yeah. No. Yeah, three of the top seven. Sorry. So what's, what's, what's going on? What's going, what's on? going on here? <laughs> no. So so you've got so Mexico basically playing the states of obviously number one in the world. Is obviously that's going to be 
extremely difficult. But then, then playing, you know, the fifth best team in in Concaf as well, and the set, which is Trinidad, and then the seventh, which is Panama. So I don't know. I don't think Mexico can take anything for granted at all. Um, you know, it's a bit of a shame that they, they they got drawn in that group because they're playing in in what is it, North Carolina, and you know they could have been playing down in Edinburgh, which is uh, down by the border, which I think would have been a uh, you know would have been massive. Um, but yeah, I think basically it looks like if everything goes to plan, it's going to be Mexico against Costa Rica in for a place in the uh, in the World Cup. I mean, basically... Costa Rica has had a good generation of ladies that are coming through and are proud and playing in good leagues, too. Yeah. Um, so I don't think... I don't think it, very, very, very recently they've been doing quite as well, but they're still... You know, they, they made an impact, I think, at the last World Cup, didn't they? Was it the last World Cup? Um, or the Olympics? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not... That's, that's not going to be an easy game, but for me, I, I just think... I think this, this tournament is a massive... Um, it's a big, it's a massive moment for for women's football in Mexico. I think it has been getting a lot more attention. I mean, just just the fact the league goes now means people are talking about this week in week out. I mean, it, you open a sports newspaper or or a, a website and and you get Liga MX feminine things, mm-hmm. information, you know, results, games are on TV. I mean, it has been a mini boom over the last what year, eighteen months in terms of the women's game. And I think that that has to that momentum. You need to keep it going. You need to you need to make it snowball. Um, and I think you do that by by your national team doing well. And I think you know I don't even care too much how Mexico play in this this tournament. They just have to get to the World Cup. I mean, it's it's absolutely so vital to the women's game in Mexico yeah. that they get to the World Cup. Um, and like you said at the start, we saw. For me, I think it's such a fascinating balance. That Mexico has right now, and such a when you look at it over the longer term, it could Mexico could be an absolute. I don't know. I mean, I know it's very early days, but it, it could be Mexico could be a, a big team in in, yeah. in 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 football. I mean, you know, they've got the, the thing is it's in in the in the women's game or the men's game. I think it's good to have a variety of you know of talent coming through different sources. And I think in the Mexican game right now. You've got a good amount of women playing over there in Europe, you know, getting this different kind of experience. You've got a lot of the younger girls who are playing in the league, Liga MX and training every day. And you forget the games, they're training every day. Mm-hmm. So it's not like before where they, where they have huge camps, they're, they're properly training and preparing for games from the tactical side of view, you know, the, the physical point of view. I mean, it's, it's so different than, than what they were doing before. And then you've got the US and you've got the colleges, um, where you know Mexican American girls, but also but also Mexican girls can go there as well, um, and you've got the NWSL as well, where where a good few of the the the, the team Katie, are playing. So Katie Johnson, yeah, I mean, awesome. yeah, and and so you've got a good mix of of players coming from different places, and and if the manager Medina can can kind of harness that and get it together, then you know you've got to be tentatively optimistic, but. You know that game against the United States is obviously going to be—it's going to be extremely difficult. You're coming up with the best team, the best team in the national world. team in the world. You're coming not just the best national team, but the best prepared national team. Um, you know, and arguably the best supported national team. So it's—it's it's going to be extremely tricky that first game. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for it. I really, really hope they do well because I don't know. You know, I said it before, but if I could pick one thing to happen in the Mexican game, it would be that the women win a World Cup because. I don't know if if the Mexican women's national team can do something. We got to qualify but, for the World Cup first, Tom. Come on. Yeah, no, but no, but just in general, if you to say right, one wish for Mexican game. Yeah. My mine would be that the women's team win the World Cup, and uh, and why? Because you know it wouldn't just be kind of oh, you win a World Cup, you celebrate, see you later. I think it it have profound implications for the whole of society. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that. You know, I don't know. I think that's why it's. I don't, I don't want to put too much pressure on the team, but you know, that's. Why I'm just. <laughs> make sure we're gonna we're gonna take this tape and just say, women, you have to win the World Cup. <laughs> no, no, there were. Uh, I think some follow you, Tom. Some like follow V. Dude, no, they're, they're I'm. The we're we're videotaping this and we're putting it as one of our <laughs> clips. We're setting it out there. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what you know what they have. Just the preparedness. I've been. I follow. You know, it's funny. It's funny because I follow a lot of of the players and just. 
um, now we're looking at that and it's just a great insight now that we obviously Instagram and all that and, and their training and all that they're doing. So if you are listening to us, any of the women that are going to be on there, thank you for doing that. And uh, we wish you all the best. Um, it would be, this is, this is where the pressure comes in. I mean, we saw what, what happened with the women, uh, the under team and, and how it didn't get out of the group and just, it was just, it, it, it wasn't there when everyone was talking about it, but now we're seeing, you know, it looks like a more of a, Revitalization of the Mexican women's team in the players. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be good. Uh, as far as the schedule, and I don't have it in front of me, of when, Cesar, I think you were, you're mentioning of when we actually play. So October 4th against the U.S., October 7th, Trinidad and Tobago, and then October 10th against Panama. And then if they make it to the next round, then the semis are on October 15, 14th. 14th. Yeah, and then the final and third place uh, playoff are on the seventeenth. All right. So yeah, which we, I mean, that that could be the day. I mean, if everything goes to plan, yeah, Mexico are going to be in that third, fourth place playoff, which becomes the one game to qualify. I mean, yeah. the system for qualifying, to be fair, isn't fair. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it really, honestly, with so much at stake, there's there's, there's certain things that go on in the women's game, aren't you know, they shouldn't happen. I mean. This is right in the middle of the season as well now that this this tournament's happening and, and the girls, especially over in Europe, they're playing Champions League and stuff. I mean, it's very difficult for them to come back to, other, to the other side of the Atlantic and, and kind of play this tournament. And then, and then you know, you, I mean, you play that third, fourth game and there's an early red card, there's an injury. And I don't know. I, I don't think it's the best way for, for qualifying. I'm not sure how you do it, to be honest, but um, the, the stakes are absolutely massive. And, and it's like you said, Cesar, it's the Gold Cup and World Cup qualifying all in one, and that's why that's why it's really it's unmissable. It's definitely people should be tuning into this. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be that game against the US is going to be on Univision out here, if I remember correctly. So I assume if they're showing that one, they're probably going to show the other games on Univision, Univision they bought this out here in the US. So something to keep an eye on. Glad it's going to be accessible too, because sometimes yeah. yeah, they're not. We're watching it through streams. Yeah, so it's like a little tough to find though. So, little quick plug, Food Max Nation. We're doing some cool <laughs> stuff with uh, women's team. Uh, definitely keep your eye out, especially if you are a fan or if you're if you haven't. Definitely, there's going to be a lot of uh, um, uh, some coverage and uh, some stuff that we're doing with some of the players also at Food Max Nations. So you'll see some of those uh, great players for for Mexico and ladies team. So keep an eye on that, guys. It's already overtime. Um, overtime. Overtime. I meant over our time, not necessarily the. Anyways, yeah, past the ninetieth minute. Sorry, let me let me rephrase that. Um, really quick, really quick, for our very first in the Mexican soccer show, and I and I have to make sure Tom versus Cesar faced off in our very first uh, live Twitch. And uh, what happened, guys? Like you guys all of a sudden decided to play and overtime. We might have to go to overtime because I won the first game. Tom won the second one, so it was a draw. Although, I guess no, I guess each of us scored two goals. Yeah, no. So even if you, even what? if we went to an aggregate score, you guys got tied. Yeah, yeah. I guess it, overall it's tied. That means we have to have a third. We have to have a third match at some point, Tom. It'll have to be done. I'll see. Uh, so see in the first match was pa- Cruz Azul versus Pachuca. Pachuca, 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 Pachuca Cesar won. And then the other one was the English national team for the women's side versus the Mexican national team in the women's, right? Yeah. yeah. Also, I had like 50 shots against Tom, and he had like three, and he somehow ended up winning one nothing or 2 nothing. That's what happens, dude. That's what happens. I, I, I don't know what happened there, Tom. I, I just, Wait. It, it, tell, <laughs> the thing is with the shots, you got to you got to put <laughs> them <laughs> in, in the net. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really thought he was going to be like, you got to... So that wait, does that mean that Tom had three goals overall? So does that mean you yeah, got yeah, he got he got the aggregate, um, yeah, because no, 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 never mind. We're not we're not using aggregate. Let's go and play. Um, Let's see if we can play a game now. Tom and I, Tom and I were, I mean, Tom, Cesar and I, because Tom was eating and he he was rushing over, and Cesar and I started thinking about it. It'd be kind of cool to do some kind of tournament um, with all of you viewers and uh, all the fans of Liga MX English. I think it'd be kind of cool. So I don't know. We'll think of something maybe. We'll do like a like a teams where Liga MX teams are all represented, and we'll do maybe a tournament in December. In November, all you guys kind of like maybe if all the America fans all you all play maybe little tournaments, and then you have a representative, and the Chivas fans have a representative, and you know it's me, Cadi, and the other Leon fan that have a representative. But 
it'd be kind of cool to have like some kind of turn. I don't know. We're, we'll think of it. But I think it was a lot of fun watching these guys and the commentary. Maybe maybe I'll jump in and do some kind of commentary or have Amy and I would just really try to make it professional. We're like, Amy, you're down in the field. How are you looking at Tom right now after he's oh down 3-0? That would be incredible. And then Amy goes, you know what? I'm looking at Tom right now. And <laughs> he took off. I think it's kind of fun. Fine. <laughs> you know, we'll, do our own, we'll do our own production. And uh, all of a sudden, ten years from now, we we just do video games, and uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, fun, fun, guys. Yeah, all right. <laughs> do the Mexican soccer show, Mexican e soccer show. The Mexican e soccer show. Is that so? That's that's the name of our team. We have like a pro club. No, actually, I already have a pro club team. I have to. Can go we on. start a pro club team? All right, I'm I got, I'm I got part of a pro club team. I am horrible at FIFA. I'm really bad, and I just gave up. And everyone comes and comes up to me. I'm like, Wieso, you know all about this and you should be playing. Why don't you play? And I'm just like, I know, I know. I, I get on there and I don't just want to be ridiculed. And you just got to keep going. And anyway, so I'm going to step back and, and, and let these guys be in there. So uh, if you have ideas on how we can do maybe a giant tournament, maybe we can do it, you know, let us know and we'll, we'll start working. But our brain started kind of uh, turning, seeing uh, and ideas on, on how we can all play. Um, well, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know when these guys play again. I know there's uh, some players I want to jump in there and, uh, we'll continue to do that guys. Thanks so much for, for joining Cesar and Tom. Uh, we have a lot, a lot of football coming up. We didn't even get to the national team and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to it on the next time where, you know, Costa Rica and Chile were, we got there. We got some news for the national team. Tata Martino's thrown in the mix. No more Tuca. Uh, so lots and lots of coverage here. Thank you so much. You could, uh, choose, uh, a lot of different ways to spend the time, especially with podcasts, and you chose us, so we really, really appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe on all the iTunes, on our iTunes and get that to and uh, your Pod Center there for your for your iPhone or or Android devices. And then, of course, thank you for sharing well uh, the the Mexican soccer show here on Twitter, guys. Uh, nos vemos el lunes. Thank you to all on the chat, and uh, have a have a have a good week, guys. Hasta la próxima. See you guys around. Adios.